Okay. Hi, this is David. We're back um, with Richard Dalton. We're doing this is part three. And Richard, we were tu- we were touching on really the subject of well, we're talking about faith in ESL. But I wanted you to talk a little bit more about um, so much as you said in the church. We struggle with the secular and the spiritual, and we've divided those two and. I think you mentioned it, but can you tell me a little bit more about, I think you were talking about creation. Mm -hmm. Some of the, so the question that I think we were talking about before we started was about, sometimes people ask, you know, how do you share your faith in class? What does it look like to do ministry in class and all of that? And at the bottom of it is the sacred secular division. People have these things separated. Um, one is more important than the other, mm-hmm. and they struggle with how to integrate it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you're either doing ministry in faith, or you're doing a job. This secular thing called yep. teaching. Yep, and it's a it's a struggle for us in um, maybe North America mostly. To what if God asked you to just drive Uber for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. You know, if you if what would that do to you? Someone who's in this trajectory to go on the mission field or Bible college or become a pastor, you know, or or asked you to work in a warehouse, work in a warehouse or mm-hmm. or maybe something white collar. Just be a lawyer for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. When I was 18 and 19, that was like my worst fear um, was having to just do a job in my head. I, I had things so divided into sacred and secular. Mm-hmm. I felt like me really living into my purpose of how God made me meant that I was doing ministry, something meaningful, meaningful, for impacting the kingdom. There's the key word. And it, it took, um, some, um, just guidance from mentors and books and different folks to help me, Think about things from a different perspective, and the question that helped orient me into better thinking, um, my friend Mr. Hodges gave me this question of, you know, what would we do if we had never sinned? What would... There had been no fall. There had been no fall, and we're in the garden, and uh, God had only given us this this task to cultivate the garden. We would We would just be working. Cultivate the world. Cultivate he told the us world. creation. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's an it's an environmental commandment. It's a cultural commandment. I think it. The question of this gets back to the who is God? What is God about? Is is God? He is about bringing people to Himself and and transforming people. But unto what? What happens after that? And God is creative in essence. He made us to create. To grow, um, to cultivate, develop, mm-hmm. and beautify. And, mm-hmm. and so, if, taking some imaginative space to think through, you know, project 2,000 years after the garden, if there had been no fall, mm-hmm. what would the world be mm-hmm. like? It would be a very desirable place to live. <laughs> or like at the end of the Bible, it's a city. Mm-hmm. It's a, that's right. We're going from a garden. It's not like they would have still been. Right, still in a garden, eating still in fruit the garden, eating and, fruit, and right. said, "Oh, let's just do this agrarian thing." No, mm-hmm. they would have developed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when when you think about things from that perspective, all of the sudden, these jobs become highly important: engineers, environmentalists, uh, biologists, teachers, 
Right. Educators, all, all of a sudden now those become more important than the ministry jobs. And they've always been important, but we see them now mm-hmm. as being integrated into God's purpose. Right. And so it's taking, I think before I was saying that in my opinion, when we divide the sacred and secular and we put, we, we have holy jobs and sacred or secular jobs, it, it makes evangelism and um, discipleship, I think, a little overblown. Um, and just an over, maybe an overemphasis of this little thing that we do, you know, what did you do this week? Oh, I did a little bit of, you know, evangelism on Thursday afternoon. What'd you do with the rest of your week? Mm -hmm. And you're right. It devalues a lot of our, of the jobs we do and the, and the, and the, the skilled labor that is so needed in our lives. And it also takes away from what we can bring to that vocation. Mm -hmm. If I'm an AC heating you know, repair service, do I say, well, I had hoped to be a missionary. I had hoped to be a minister, uh, but I manage a restaurant now. Like the Tim Keller quote. Right. Yeah. You know, the guy said, I'm I'm a Christian. How do I be a Christian pilot? Land the plane. Land the plane. Yeah. Everybody in the back hopes that's what you're doing and Mm -hmm. that you're doing it well. And I think, Richard, in so many fields, it's like, duh, it's a little more obvious what kind of a doctor do you want? People say, what kind of realtor do you want? Somebody that knows how to sell a house, not just your your good mm-hmm. Christian friend. And so how does a Christian be at their profession? Well, uh, be a witness. And, and part of what we are trying to say is you're the best at it. Right. And you bring whatever Christ's character, whatever God is. You want them to see more of God. You wanted to grow the society, the community, or their lives, and for them to see that. Mm-hmm. And shifting that paradigm for me um, brought it expanded my view of God. It expanded my view of myself in relationship to Him. It expanded my idea of what creation is about, and it it put evangelism and discipleship into a better context. Mm-hmm. It gave it more nuance. It made it multidimensional. Um, something you could do all day. Something that is <laughs> that, that is was all that was natural, built into you, built into me, and it's a natural expression of the way that mm-hmm. I live. Mm-hmm. And this isn't an all or nothing. You know, we're not bouncing to the other end of things, or we're saying it's not important, or we're no. saying no. You know, evangelism conversations are, you know, we're not saying that. We're saying that it just, it puts it into a context under why did God create us and to what purpose? And so when we, when we are saved and when we meet Jesus and come to the faith, there, there is an even higher purpose. And it is to get back to the thing that he asked us to do in the garden, which was be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. It's creative and cultural. It impacts everything we do and the way we do it. Yeah. And why we do it in all things that we do. You know, Richard, just touching on, you never knowing who our listeners are, but from a missional standpoint, I remember people often ask me, you know, um, how do you do witness or how do you witness in class? You know, and I said, I teach English in class. And I, oh, okay, well then. You're just teaching English, you know. Um, And I remember a doctor friend of mine that just had integrated his faith into all that he's doing. And he had these amazing 
relationships with people at high level in the medical field in the country I was living, but they still said, oh, you're a doctor? That's funny. I thought you were a missionary. Yeah. (laughs) And missing the whole point of the opportunities he has. And so I think if you divide it, you do that secular spiritual, then you compartmentalize your whole life. And then there is just that one moment when after class, a student came up and said, hey, have you got a Bible? Oh, now there's the moment. But what what I actually witnessed was that, as Richard said, both in at the end of the podcast, part two, was how the place, okay, your classroom, and here at the CLC here in Memphis, we're actually able to say the entire school and the teachers we've gathered actually is bringing a light and a witness that is felt by even the students. I say you can do that in the classroom as well. I had students approaching me, asking me questions when I realized I had never specifically articulated Jesus in the class. Mm -hmm. But you learn to plant amazing seeds. You talk about your life. You give your perspective. And they're watching. They're listening. They're looking at you. They're hearing, I, I, I don't have time to give all the different stories, but they would hear about things in my life, my family, the way I interacted with my children, my wife, my family, and it. they would just come up, and I thought, how did he know to ask me things mm-hmm. deeper than ESL? It has a more, I think, a, a deeper felt impact when we reorganize our theology and start to think in terms of my vocation in itself is sacred, and it is it is serving God in and in and in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And it, because God is creative, and He gets joy out of seeing the fruit of my labor, and and what I like specifically about teaching English is that for the migrants that are coming to the United States, many many of them are are highly educated people from mm. you know surgeons, lawyers, folks that had incredible businesses in their first language in their home country. And what we're doing in in teaching English, if if I if I thought that, you know, I'm just going to use English just to evangelize to them. Well, then you're not really teaching English very well, then people aren't really learning English. So then we have all this talent and capacity that is mm-hmm. sitting dormant mm-hmm. in the United States that can't be used and um you know, maybe there are, I guess, spiritual needs that are perhaps being met, but I, I don't, I don't even think of it that way. I think of it more in that being all image bearers of God, we all have the capacity to do great things in the marketplace, um, in our communities, whether or not you're a Christian. And so by me taking on more of a, um, orientation that my vocation in itself is sacred and it ultimately isn't up to me whether or not someone meets Jesus. It, putting evangelism in its place, now my focus is to teach English with professionalism and people learn. And then at that point, we're activating skill sets and talents and education and things that um, are going to benefit our society in ways previously wouldn't have. And but Richard, when you put, if you've integrated your faith into your life, it will it, when you're in the classroom, you're in the job you're doing, then it's there. Christ will come through this. It's however, it's what you do. You know, you're, you're talking to a, a person and they tell you about their, their sick mother 
you know, and you, you just say, I'm going to pray for them. Mm -hmm. Um, when they hear your goals, they hear the way you live your life. And sometimes it's not even, doesn't even have to be outside of class. It's that you're there. And since Christ is all in all to you, it comes through. Um, yeah, that, that, that's what we're trying to say. I mean, if a guy was the H, if he was your HVAC repairman, you don't want to say we had great conversations in the backyard, but he, he didn't fix my AC. <laughs> he's yeah. a really nice guy. He has great conversations. Unfortunately, he's very late. Um, he's a little high priced and he didn't fix them. That's the last thing we want. And so one of the reasons we train people, um, uh, you know, and when they come in, we tell them on the front end, let me tell you what we're training you. We want you to be a really good English teacher. Yeah, yeah. And I think for people who who may struggle with this dividing sacred life into sacred and secular things, one good sort of thought experiment is to ask yourself, like if you're preparing to go into vocational ministry or go on the mission field, Ask yourself, what would happen if you moved to that community? Like, take a place like Saudi Arabia or Uzbekistan or a closed country that is not, that's hostile to missionaries and not open to it. What would happen if you served there for decades and no one ever met Jesus? Hmm. What would that do? To your knowledge. To, right. Just in this thought experiment, to your knowledge, no one came to the faith um, and you lived your whole life working as an engineer. What would that do for you? just in an intrapersonal level, thinking about your heart posture, um, if that's something that you you feel like, well, that would not be a success, my purpose is to advance the gospel. Hmm. Um, I, would, I would encourage folks to think through the lens of mm, God, Jesus's posture towards us is unconditional sacrificial love. Jesus, I believe, would have come to love and serve us. I know that this is a weird way of thinking about it, whether or not any of us understood him. Most mm -hmm. of his disciples didn't understand him mm -hmm. until after he was resurrected and gone. He, Jesus spent most of his ministry with his friends and them having no idea what he was talking about. It's about um, giving yourself. It's about, that's what the faith, that's what our faith is primarily about, mm -hmm. is about serving and loving people unconditionally. And I think one of the conditions that we have a tendency to place in a very subtle way on ourselves and our neighbors is my ministry to you is conditioned upon your result, your, your response. response. That's right. Right. And, and we can't always, we don't know what that's going to be. We don't know what that's going to be. It's not our business. But and, you know what I find when you do give yourself to your profession, your job, whatever you do, whether it's making coffee well, um, Jesus is with you, and there is light, and there are things that people, it's happening. So I say when you said you spent you know 20 years being an engineer in a very closed environment, I'm so encouraged when I hear uh, people who say, you know, my first glimpse of Christianity was watching this coworker. Mm -hmm. Just the way they worked. Mm -hmm. So not to not to in any way downplay what you're saying, but we don't know, and that's not our job to know. Mm -hmm. Our job is to do our job and to do it well. Uh -huh. And as we talked about earlier, part of 
learning how to work cross-culturally means to understand the difference between your motives and intentions and the impact of your behavior. And, you know, in the West, in the church, when we talk about evangelism and bringing people to the faith and discipling people, that our motive is for people to meet Jesus. It's a pure motive, and we mm-hmm. want as ma- I want mm-hmm. as many people as possible to experience the love of Jesus. Um, now, if in some communities that that kind of emphasis on discipleship and that those transactional conversations look uh, and feel more like you're trying to build something, it, it looks more like um, you're taking. You're taking. You need something from them. It, it, I would often hear it, that when it, I was overseas. It feels transactional. What do y'all need from it feels us? Like they, right. The, There's in, a conditional in, relationship right, here. The impression is as that, opposed to giving. Yeah, you're taking something, and you're and it looks like you're building. You're you're trying to build something better for you, and for like a like right. a company or right. like a well, business. Or, well, let's let's look at it this way, Richard. When people say, "I'm, I'm here yeah. to church plant. I want to plant a church," and I said, "Okay, so you're gonna." Try to gather people that are Christians. Okay, how are you going to meet them? How are you going to find them? And how are you even going to build a presence here that they don't even know what you're doing here? Why don't you go out there in the river where they are? That's what I say. Don't don't think about building some little hut on the side of the river and whistling over come. Why don't you get out in the river where the people are? And you know what I've learned, Richard? Where the river, the rivers where everyone's out going to school, going to work. Uh, trying to build their lives in society. So why are we so afraid of getting out into that? And so I often would challenge people going into missions. What are you bringing to that community? How are you serving them? As you said, take your profession with you. I want to be a physical therapist. I want to be a coach. I want to be an educator. I want to do business. Have you thought about doing business that blesses that community? Mm -hmm. But sometimes we immediately go, oh, but how am I going to witness through that and and that separation it splinters it mm-hmm. and and I think that even holds true in everything well the principles we're talking about hold true right here in the states whether or not we we well, go overseas and if we if we flip it around like imagine imagine that you have some Jordanians and Palestinians that move into your neighborhood and they work primarily out of their homes and then you meet them and go hey like you you know you get to know your neighbors what do you do for a living I plant mosques <laughs> and like, what, what does that look like for you? Well, it's, you know, we meet with people. We'd like to t- share about Islam with people. We would love for you to come this Friday to our <laughs> prayer meeting and maybe, and, and you're having to do this maybe through a translator. Maybe they haven't learned English. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't have, maybe the, even their clothing and their dress doesn't look anything like yours. Like there's no effort to acculturate. There's no, Americans would not respond well to that. Nobody would. And yeah. and then, I mean, that's that's what it comes across. That's how Christian missionaries can come across often. To so what we're faith in ESL. We've we've tried to say that our faith, because of who we are, that's what we bring to the profession. We've also talked about how, if we imagine the community we're coming into, the students we're trying to serve and empower, it changes the way we look at it. When we say, yes, there is, my faith is in here in the classroom. I'm not going to separate teaching my my English tenses well. The Lord is with me in that. And um, 
you know, each profession has to have its own, you know, we joke about the pilot, you know, what is the best way you can be a Christian in your field? Obviously, it's through excellence. But when you take your faith into it, it impacts everything that mm-hmm. you do. Um, and I can, I can, you know, I can say, as we've been thinking through our city, we're thinking there's so many internationals here. And we may sit and say, well, but they need the Lord. Yeah, but what do they think they need? What do they want? And they're out trying to build their lives. I mean, you think about a refugee getting off the plane. He needs a driver's license. He needs a job. You think about immigrants that say, I have a skill. I've come from another country. I want to contribute. Um, and what a what an honest desire why can't we help them with that? Um, with no expectation of anything. In return. No. That's the freest place to be. If I'm not bound by the need to justify my existence mm. with the product of someone else's conversion, mm-hmm. then I'm now free to love them uh, despite their choices in response to me. And that... I think is is what gives us the most sense of purpose and light in our hearts because it's that's a, even beyond religion a universal principle that it's more blessed to give than receive. And it also gives us more light because of that whole approach of coming as grace. Um, that that creates, that flips it. That creates that fertile soil and environment mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. when the conversations do happen as a natural expression of who you are. Um, There's nothing like being with someone where you can tell they need something from you. (laughs) I would often be told mm -hmm. when I lived overseas, what it, where are you guys, what's your hurry? Mm -hmm. What you seem frustrated or you, you you foreigners have come here. You seem to need something and you need to seem to, you seem to need it quickly. And that is based on that division. And, I think when I became more at peace with, I am an English teacher, and that is who I am, but I am also a follower of Jesus, it changed the way I lived my whole life, but it required me to trust more in God's ways, and actually it increased my witness. And that's mm-hmm. that's that's the part that's hard for people to believe. You know, you hear someone say, oh, you're just going to go in and dig wells. Hey, <laughs> how are you going to go into that village and bless those people? How are you even going to know them before you can even communicate to them something about afterlife and a relationship with God? What do they need? They need clean water. And um, yeah, that's just something we're trying to bring, and we're bringing it through ESL. Right. And um, right. we've been talking about these at coffee shops for how many years? Yeah, long time. Um, and I would just say, if you've never been... To the Connect Language Center, you need to come over and well, see. Welcome anytime. It's not just a school. It's a place of cultural exchange, friendship, and light. People learning a language and us engaging with them. We think it's making a stronger city, community. I and, think. And, and and get a, maybe you could, we even challenge people to get their TEFL certificate. You're like, oh, yeah. I don't, 
Um, I'm not thinking of going overseas with it. Hey, get a TEFL certificate, become an ESL teacher, and make a contribution to the new Americans that are coming right. into our what – what a fun thing and to do. What's been really cool to see about Connect Language Center over the last three years or so is that by taking some of this seriously around, you know, this – all vocations under the Lord are sacred, it um, – the culture that has been built at the CLC is very much a place of come as you are. And what has happened as a result is that we have kind of the common person that gravitates towards the CLC is someone who is in transition. Mm -hmm. So refugees, obviously, we have many refugee students. They're physically in transition, moving their lives uh, without choice. But then we also have burned out missionaries who are teaching mm -hmm. English, who are figuring out how their faith can transition into, into healing and into a new expression. Or, mm -hmm. um, you know, we have college students who are figuring out what their careers and vocations are and are asking questions. And so there's a lot of it's very much an environment where we don't need anything from you, but we want to bless you. And yet much is exchanged and a lot is exchanged right? and you said missionary you know there could be a missionary who's been trying to figure out how to witness and share their faith and then they're actually getting realigned into this has been the most fulfilling thing for me is to now i'm in a place where i can give something and it's extremely rewarding for them richard we've seen people immediately start engaging internationals here learn this skill set well and they're now somewhere overseas mm -hmm. being an, a, a teacher. Mm -hmm. They know their identity. They have their faith. And they're contributing to their school and the, their students and their community. Mm -hmm. That's extremely rewarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for being here, Richard. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, we, I'm sure we'll, we have other topics to talk about. But sure glad you came over today. You bet. Thanks All right. for having me. Thanks for listening today. Feel free to email us with your questions to david at esionline.org. It's always encouraging to hear from our listeners how God is using this podcast. Our ministry is called Equipping Servants International, which exists to equip churches, organization, and individuals to reach the nations both at home and abroad. Our desire is to see people better equipped when they leave be able to thrive and be effective on the field, and transition back home well. Our book is called Mission Smart, 15 Critical Questions to Ask Before Launching Overseas, and it's available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. Remember to subscribe to our podcast to get more episodes as they're published.